From Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting edge technology, and the colored shavings. Welcome back to The Dairy Show, everyone. I'm once again your host, Katie Schmidt. Many of you may know that earlier this summer, World Dairy Expo moved the Purple Cow gift shop online for the first time ever. And in doing so, Expo pledged 10% of the profits in 2020 to the National Children's Center for Rural and Agricultural Health and Safety. With today being the last opportunity to order and still guarantee a Christmas delivery from the Purple Cow, we wanted to share more about the Children's Center. So, without further ado, welcome to The Dairy Show, Dr. Marsha Salzweedle. Thank you for having us. All right, as we get started, Marsha, I'm going to have you introduce yourself a little bit more and cover your connection to agriculture. So, my name is Marsha Salzweedle, as you said. And I have a couple of different connections to agriculture. I actually grew up on a farm, and we still own part of our farm. But in addition to that, I currently work for the National Farm Medicine Center. And I'm actually an agricultural youth safety specialist there and work specifically in the National Children's Center for Rural and Agricultural Health and Safety. So people who might not be familiar with the Children's Center, do you want to cover um, some of the basics, the who, what, where of the center? So the National Children's Center is located in Marshfield, Wisconsin, and we're part of the Marshfield Clinic Health System, specifically part of the Research Institute. And we came into being in 1997, and we, um, with funding from the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, and we're still funded through them. Now, we're one of 11 um, of NIOSH's what they call agricultural centers, but we're the only one that's national and we're the only one that focuses specifically on children. And the purpose for us or the reason that we actually exist is because we're trying to work with parents and with farm supervisors and farm owners to kind of safeguard and help protect the children that live and grow and work on farms. And even to appoint those that visit now that agritourism is becoming so popular. Sure. So what are some of the projects that the center has researched or implemented since its founding in 1997? Wow, that's a, a pretty broad category. So we've done quite a bit of different things since 1997, but some of the things I think we're best known for are youth work guidelines are one of those. So the guidelines can be used by parents to help assign tasks. You actually can assess a child's abilities and then you can match the task to the child. And that way you know that that child can do that job and they can do that job safely. Um, we also have materials and have done some research into what we call safe play areas, which are for the younger kids that aren't probably old enough yet to be doing work on the farms. But yet, because the farm tends to be both home and a work site, having those young kids get into that work site can be pretty dangerous. So if you can have them in childcare or have them in a safe play area that's fenced off, then they don't actually run out in front of the equipment when dad pulls in the yard. And especially nowadays, or mom, and especially nowadays with equipment being as big as it is, sometimes it's really hard to see when you have a toddler or a young child that runs out. And so these safe play areas are a great strategy um, for keeping kids out of that hazardous work site. 
We've also done a lot of work with agritourism and working with farmers so that they can reduce their liabilities. We've had a lot of farmers that have said, you know, I'm really concerned about bringing visitors on the farm. I want to diversify my revenues. I want to increase my income stream. But I'm concerned that I might be setting myself up for a lawsuit if I let people come onto my farm. And so what we've done is we actually have worked with the farmers to set up ways that they can increase the safety on their farms. And we actually also partnered with the Wisconsin Agricultural Tourism Association to carry out educational days on these, and we helped to get the agritourism liability law passed. Um, so we are definitely on the side of the farmers. What are some of the steps that you are encouraging farmers to take for agritourism, for that to be a, a safe venture for them to get into that is very, very popular in agriculture, which is amazing from a consumer education standpoint. But what are some of the steps and tips that you guys encourage? So some of the steps and the tips that we encourage really don't even cost a lot of money um, or take much time to put up. So we have a website, the Integrating Safety into Agritourism, that you can access at Safe agritourism.org. And the website has a over 200 resources that are free to use available. And some of them are things like printable signs. And so the signs are, some of them are very user-friendly. They're very attractive looking, but they're reminders of things. So you can put up a sign that reminds the visitors to wash their hands when they leave an animal area. There's signs that explain to the visitors how to wash your hands to, to help prevent catching zoonotic diseases. But there's a lot of things. There's signs about which way you want your traffic to go. And there's signs about areas like keep out signs where you don't want people to go because maybe there's a bull in that area or there's machinery where people could get hurt. Um, so there's a lot of signage and a lot of that type of information that you can just print and post and it's all free. There's also policies and ideas on simple things you can do, removing keys from equipment when nobody is on it and, um, you know, just kind of walking your areas, walking your paths for those that have like nature paths or trails and just making sure you pick up debris that people leave behind so people don't trip on it. And, and there's a lot of different, very simple things like like that that you can do to protect yourself. So, okay, we're going to go back a little bit because I want to know more about the age to job relationship that you guys encourage. What are those based on? What, like how, how do parents evaluate their kids? Um, hopefully in a very, you know, objective way. Um, how do you encourage that? What do you, what's the correlation between the two? Okay, so we've developed what we call agricultural youth work guidelines. And these guidelines are available for 50 different tasks that are done on the farm. So things for milking cows using a pipeline or in a parlor, um, feeding hay to livestock, operating a tractor, just a lot of different types of tasks and over 50 of them. And what the guidelines actually do is there's something that the parent can use, although they can go over it with the child if they want to. And it actually has a section on it that says, this is what your child needs to be able to do in order to perform the job safely. And so it actually gives things like they have to be able to lift the correct amount of weight. Like if you're bailing hay, the child shouldn't lift more than 25% of their body weight. So if the hay bales weigh more than that, then the job's not going to be a good fit for that child. Okay. It talks in some areas, not only about the physical things like that, 
but also about cognitive things. So if your child cannot do certain things, like if they don't have an adequate field of vision, and it defines what field of vision is for you and how to test that, then they probably shouldn't be operating certain types of equipment because they're not ready to do that. Or if they can't remember a five-step process um, without prompting, then they may not be ready to do certain tasks. But each one of these guidelines are built individually for different tasks, and they define what the youth needs to be able to do in order to be able to do the job safely. It has information on what the most common hazards are and some of the best protective strategies that you can use to protect those youth as well. And then it gives you an idea of how much supervision you need to provide to that youth as well. So they tend to be um, extremely helpful. And we've had some feedback from some parents and some supervisors that said, one of the things we love about the Ag Youth Work Guidelines is, is I can show this to my child, we can go over it together, and then they understand why I won't let them do something, or they understand why they finally are old enough to be able to do something now, and we wouldn't let them do it before. Sure, and, and that relates to whether it's your own kids, or family members, or neighbors, or kids of your workers, that there's so, there's so many opportunities for youth to be involved in a farm, which can be a good thing. And as we were lining this interview up, we were talking about a term that is new to me, which is the farm kid paradox. And I want to have you explain that a little bit. What is that? Because it is a research project that your center is working on right now. So our center um, tends to get funded on five-year cycles, and we're just starting out a new cycle, and one of our new projects is the Farm Kid Paradox Project, which is being led by Dr. Casper Ben Dixon. And the Farm Kid Paradox is actually um, something that we talk about a lot because, as I mentioned earlier, it was really wonderful to grow up on a farm. I really loved it. And we know that people recognize a lot of benefits to youth working and to the agricultural environment. So there's things like it lets kids develop a good work ethic and it teaches them responsibility. And um, when you're on a farm, you really do learn a lot about the life cycle and the life and death cycle and and different things like that. So we know that there's a lot of benefits. Um, And we know there's a lot of benefits, especially associated working with animals as well. And not the least of which is our recent studies are telling us that there's immune system benefits to working around animals, that people that work on farms and and grow up on farms and are exposed to those farms in utero even, that they develop better immune systems, they have less allergies, less asthma. So we know that there's a lot of really great benefits to being on these farms and being in this farm environment. But on the flip side of that, being around animals can also be very dangerous. You can get trampled, you can get run over, you can get kicked or bit or, you know, there's a lot, you know, obviously a lot of hazards as well. And so that's kind of the paradox is that something that can be of huge benefit to you can also be of huge risk to you as well. And so what the study, this particular study is looking at is it's looking at both parents and safety professionals and what their views of these risks and benefits are. Um, And then they're trying to see what those perspectives are. And then because these perspectives, especially 
the perspectives of the benefit can sometimes inhibit parents from wanting to adopt what can sometimes be safety strategies. Well, I don't want to cut my kids off from working with animals because I know it's going to be good for them. And we're not advocating that you cut your kids off from working with animals because we agree it can be good for them. But what the study is going to do is how can we accomplish these things and do them safely? What are some of the biggest threats to children's safety on the farm? What what do we need to be on the lookout for? What are easy things that we can fix? So um, there are a lot of easy things that we can fix. What those biggest hazards are, um, interestingly enough, regardless of whether you're talking about a toddler or whether you're talking about a teenager, our biggest hazard on the farm tends to be equipment, machinery, really tractors. Although I have to admit that ATVs are racing up and, and, and gaining fast on the tractors, but machinery in general tends to be a big hazard for them, whether it's because it is a a young child that was being taken out as an extra rider, which is never a good idea, by the way. Um, and we have lots of cases in the files where the child, the children fell off and they got run over. Even with cabs, they'll fall against the door and the door will open up, those types of things like that. All the way up to the teenagers who are operating equipment and they end up rolling over a tractor. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes parents will assign youth the oldest tractor they have because that way if they wreck the tractor, it's not as much, it's not as expensive to replace it or doesn't usually cost as much to fix it, that type of thing. But those also tend to be the most unsafe. Um, So, you know, we advocate for things like putting rollover protective structures on your tractor if it doesn't have one. Um, And a lot of times the older tractors don't. So tractors, machinery tend to be some of our biggest hazards that we have regardless of the age. Um, Believe it or not, drowning for fatalities is a a big issue. Um, And it's not just the farm ponds, although we're seeing more of those with the irrigation nowadays, but we're also seeing more of the manure lagoons. Um, So that's causing an issue. And then we're also starting to see more and more incidents with grain bins um, and people, quote unquote, drowning in grain because of all of the grain bins that you see. You know, I remember when I was a kid, you'd drive through the countryside. You never hardly ever saw grain bins unless it was a grain elevator or a co-op. And now lots and lots of farms in the countrysides have those bins. And so drowning is actually a pretty big hazard because of the farm ponds, the manure pits, the grain bins, um, those types of things. So, yeah. And of course, animals also is a big injury risk and in the top three for injury risk as well. So we can't forget them either. So thinking like from a farm side of stuff, like obviously there's the the open cab tractors that are, you know, the old, old tractors or um, the, even the cab tractors that are older styled versus like the newer tractors that have the buddy seat what what's the take on the buddy seat okay it's not a buddy seat okay we're trying to get people to stop using that term because it's not a buddy seat it's an instructor seat okay now think about this for a minute instructor seats are designed for teaching somebody how to operate a tractor and the current recommendations are you should be at least 14 years old before you start learning to operate a tractor because prior to that time you don't have the field of vision you don't have the height you don't have the strength to repeatedly in and out on the vehicles etc etc right so would you take your toddler 
if you had one. I don't know if you do or don't, but would you take a toddler and would you buckle them into a seat that is designed for a 14-year-old? No. No car seat, no car seat, no booster seat, no nothing. No, you wouldn't, would you? No. Okay. So that's the first point is those seats are not designed for small children. Sure. Okay. So that's my first point. They're also not designed to hold a car seat or a booster seat. So that's not a solution either. Okay. Now, my second point is, is when you put this child in the seat, okay, now you're not only putting them into a hazardous situation in the event that something would go wrong, but that tractor has vibration. Oftentimes there's dust that comes into those vehicles. There's the noise that comes in there, especially if you're operating an older tractor. Um, so you're looking at a lot of other safety issues besides just the danger of a rollover or that child falling out. And on top of that now, remember farming is the most hazardous occupation in the United States. So now you have an adult who is performing an extremely hazardous job, and they're now being distracted by the presence of that child in there as well. So that increases the hazard to the adult as well as increasing the hazard to the child, because you can't adequately supervise a child's behavior on that tractor but now you have an adult performing a hazardous job and they have an additional distraction there as well. Sometimes it's hard enough to control toddlers when there's no other distractions. They're the only distraction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what do you think? Is a buddy seat a good idea for a small child? <laughs> I have never heard of them called anything but a buddy seat. Like that's always yeah. been the term that has been in, in my world. Yeah, if you go into the operator's manuals, you'll see that they're called instructor seats, and that's actually the proper term for them. Um, so it's not they're not actually intended for people to give rides with. They're actually intended for instructing people and teaching them how to operate a tractor. So, um, you know, and like I said, that doesn't take into account all of the other hazards that are there. You know, vibration, noise, dust, you know. Um, you know, we have cases where the children are in these cab tractors and people will tell us, well, my tractor's got a cab, it's okay. No, we, we can give you cases, go into Egg Injury News and, and type in cab, and you'll see cases where children fall against the door or they they um, hit a bump and the child reaches out to grab something and they grab the handle of the door and fell out or the windshield shatters or the door pops open even though it was locked. You know, there's just, there's there's never a time that you can guarantee a young child's safety when you have them as an extra rider on this equipment. You just can't do it. And they just shouldn't be there. Because before I started working at the farm center 10 years ago, I didn't think anything of it. You know, I remember when I was a kid, my cousin came over to help us bale hay one time. And one of the hay bales um, in the equipment we had back then, of course, this was a number of years ago, um, they would tie the, the little square bales and they'd tie the bales, you know, and the twine broke, okay? And being somebody who isn't traditionally on the farm all the time, he didn't know, and his natural reaction was to try to reach in, uh, and he actually got pulled into the hay baler up to his shoulder, you know? And so up until the time that I started at the farm center, my thought process on that is, is we, he was just unlucky. You know, that was just a, a quote unquote freak accident and he was just unlucky. Well, as, as I got 
to know what happens here at the farm center and I got more familiar with the statistics and stuff, there was nothing freak about that accident at all. It happens a whole lot more than anybody would ever think. But we don't really realize that because people just don't understand that what they perceive as being this random type of thing is not really all that random at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we grew up calling it um, Superman syndrome, where you're you're unbreakable. Nothing bad is going to happen to you. If something bad happens, it's a freak accident. Yeah, and when people get into a hurry, then it becomes even more of an issue. And you know, we were trained as a farm kid. I, and maybe your parents didn't do this, but as a farm kid, my parents very much told us that we were faster and we were stronger and we were smarter, you know, than the other kids were because, you know, we're doing hard physical labor every day, practically tossing hay bales and, you know, picking potatoes and carrying around hundred pound bags of potatoes. And, you know, I mean, so, so you were taught that that's what you were taught. And so you really have this in your mind that you could do this stuff because, that's what your parents told us. And if something happened and you fell off the wagon and got run over, well, it was just a freak accident that you were just unlucky. You didn't realize that, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't have been on that wagon in the first place. That might not have been the safest place to be. So what are some of those injury statistics on the farm that as they relate to kids or to to farm workers? Um, So we know that every day, Um, there is about 33 children that are injured, seriously injured, in agricultural-related incidents. And we know that more than half of those children are actually not working at the time that they're injured. So those are those younger children that are taken into the work site for various reasons or incidentally run out in front of the tractor, those types of things. But every day we have 33 kids that are seriously injured. Some are working, some are not. We also know that about every three days, a child or a youth dies in an agricultural-related incident. And we know that there's more youth that die working in agriculture than all other industries combined in the United States. So it's definitely a high hazard environment um, for our children and for our youth. But remember, we're talking about an environment and the only work site in the country where it's not just a work site, but it's also somebody's home. And so that's going to contribute to those hazards. Oh, those statistics just want to make me find my nieces and nephews and give them big hugs because I, wow, like chills hearing those numbers though. Those are un- staggering and unfortunate and so sad. So, so sad to hear. You remember what you said a little while ago about you felt so lucky um, and you know a lot of people that you think are lucky that you escaped injury, but when you really go back and talk to people, almost everybody you talk to has a story about a farmer or a farm child that's been injured. If you really stop and think about it, and usually once you get into that discussion and one person says something, it kind of starts to snowball then. We have something called Egg Injury News, um, which is a database of incidents. And so I try to always keep what I'm doing practical. Okay, I don't, I try never to advocate for a farmer to do something that's not practical. And if we come to a point where something just simply isn't safe, I go back to that egg injury news thing and I read three or four incidents of these children getting injured or even getting killed. And then I, I take those incidents back to whoever I'm, I'm mediating this with and say, look, this is why 
we need to step back and, and resolve this and be careful with this. And typically, once you start showing them examples of what happens when you use something that's not safe, you can typically get people to back down and you can get a resolution. You know, when when we developed this, I was one of the first people I was the first person, first of all, we used to do this, they used to be binders, three ring binders, okay? And so when we first started doing um, egg injury news, I was the one who actually sorted through all these reports every day and would have to enter them into the computer or into those binders originally and stuff. And it's very depressing. It's very depressing. Um, And one of my favorite things about not being at that level anymore is that I don't have to do that job anymore because it is, it's very, it can be very depressing if that's what your day consists yeah, of. I'm, like my heart hurts right now. Just like hearing you talk about some of this, like that, that's heavy stuff. I can't imagine like being in that every day and then not, it, you'd have to be passionate about farm safety after reading that. Um, So egg injury news that I mentioned earlier, that database of injuries and fatalities, we have a lot of media that have actually signed up for an account for that. And it's free to, it's free to get onto it. um, But you do have to have an account. So you just sign up, you write your own password. And what we found that with a lot of the media and a lot of people that do presentations on farm safety, community members and stuff like that, they actually get accounts for that. And then they can use that information when they need to do a story on it. So for instance, if I want to talk about ATV safety, you can go into Egg Injury News and you can search ATV incidents in the state of Wisconsin that have happened in the last two years. Um, It's a searchable database. You can set up parameters. um, And so you can actually go out and you can find, okay, I want to talk about tractor safety. Um, So I want to know how many tractor incidents there's been in the state of Wisconsin in the last two years. Um, Maybe I only want them for, for youth that are under 18 years of age. And you can sort it from that direction. You can actually map it. They'll actually, it'll produce a map like a United States map that, or a Wisconsin map that pops those incidents that your search criteria are on on that map. So we have a lot of people that use that because they find it extremely interesting and extremely helpful. How is the information making it into that database? Are you guys connected with the different hospitals across the country or what's the process for getting that information? Okay, so, um, and that's a great question because it, it, brings me back to one of our disclaimers for this. These are actually mostly news reports, okay? Um, And so there's some obituaries in there. There's news reports in there. Um, Sometimes people will send us incidents and those types of things, and they'll make their way in there. Uh, So this is not a comprehensive database, okay? So if you go in and you search ATV injuries in Wisconsin, you're not going to get every single ATV incident that's ever happened in Wisconsin. You're going to get the ones for the most part, that made the news, okay? Because these are mostly news reports. Because they tend to be news reports, you also tend to see a lot of the most serious injuries and a lot of the fatalities as well. What you don't always see are things that happen to populations that don't make the news. So you may not see a lot of your plain community, your Amish, your Mennonite, those types of incidents. You might not see a lot of those in there, although there are some Native American populations. You may not see a lot of those incidents in there. So if it's a population that tends to not make the news, you may not see as many of those incidents in there as well. 
or even your lesser your, your less serious injuries then too so like you cut a finger off yeah if it didn't make the news you're probably not gonna see it in there is there a a, a desire to find a way to track that i don't say better but differently Okay, so now you bring me into one of our biggest challenges that we deal with at the Children's Center, um, and that is that there's no central database anywhere for child egg injuries or fatalities, okay? Um, and so what we've done is when we do have a child agricultural injury um, fact sheet. But what we have to do to put that together is we have to piece together the best data that we can get from all these different sources. And even when it comes to things like working injuries, we can go to the Bureau of Labor Statistics and we can pull out injuries on working youth. But if it's something that happened on a family farm, it's not required to be reported, so it may or may not be there. Okay. Um, for these incidents that happen with with toddlers falling off of tractors and through, you know, through the windshield of the combine and stuff, there's no required place to report those types of things. Um, and so we piece together the data that we can get from a number of different sources, but it is pieced together. And so what we have is actually probably underreported. There's probably more out there than what we know um, because we're we're piecing this stuff together. Sure. Wow. Is there is there a push to try to figure out how to to collect the data differently? Is there you know some way to to partner with hospitals? Is, is collecting better data even a good thing at the end of the day? Would it lead to more you know regulation on farms? I, I'm just it, my mind is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so regulation on farms is a is a slippery slope. Remember what happened in. in I don't know if you were involved in egg in 2011 in the media at all, but in 2011, they tried to increase, what they tried to do was they tried to equalize the child labor regulations between agriculture and non-agriculture, okay? Um, and there was such a huge pushback on that that it just got dropped, okay? Um, so traditionally, farmers don't like regulation. So that's what we at the Children's Center have a lot of voluntary guidelines. And what we try to, all of our agritourism guidelines are voluntary. All of our youth work guidelines are voluntary. And so what we try to communicate with the farmers is, is the best way for you to avoid having regulation made. Okay. Um, think about it this way. If you self-regulate yourself, if you try to be safe on your own and you practice safety on your own, then there's no need for regulation. And so we try to encourage the use of all of these voluntary guidelines because um, people don't like, farmers don't like regulation, okay? Um, so if they can self-regulate, then that's the best way to do it. So let's be safe um, and self-regulate because then we don't have to worry about other regulation. Um, we would like to have a better picture of what's going on in the injury and fatality world because it would help us to be more effective. If we knew, if we had a better picture of what's causing injuries and fatalities, we could get a better handle on how to prevent them, maybe. 
So, okay, we already know that tractors and extra riders are a big cause of injuries. It's still a battle for us to fight that battle, okay? Um, but still, every piece of information we can get on what's causing injuries and what's causing fatalities gives us another tool that we can use in the prevention side of things. And we could develop better strategies for our parents to use. So, yes, we would like to have something better. We have efforts going out. We have a project that just started now. Um, one of our scientists is working with um, ambulance data, emergency rooms across the state, that type of thing. Um, and they're trying to see if we can develop ways to come up with better strategies that way. Um, that being said, um, this would be just for Wisconsin. And again, it's going to be piecing data together from different sources, and it's still not going to be comprehensive, but it's, it's, it's going to give us something. It floors me uh, that there isn't better data, but at the same time, like from personal experiences, it makes sense why there isn't better data. So I just got done doing a presentation with the Canadian Egg Safety Association on depicting agriculture safely in the media. Um, and it, it was kind of geared towards media, but it was also geared towards the farm parents themselves. And one of the things that we showed them was a Facebook post where one of the parents put out, oh, look at my daughter. She's And it was like this five-year-old, six-year-old child on this big Z-turn lawnmower. You know, how old was your child when they started doing farm chores and doing, and they talk, people talking about putting their three-year-old on a tractor and letting them operate it. And, you know, and, and so we, we talk about how these things can snowball and, and people can start viewing this as a competition and how this actually helps establish un unsafe norms, which if those unsafe norms go around, you know, continue long enough, actually morph into unsafe traditions. And, and that's really probably what happened with the whole giving kids rides on tractors thing is it probably started out with parents just going, yeah, I gave my kid a ride on the tractor and they really enjoyed it. Or I had to take them along because I didn't have a babysitter and they really enjoyed it. So now I'm going to do it all the time. And so then somebody else thought, well, that's a cool idea. And then they became a norm, which eventually when it goes on long enough will become an unsafe tradition. And, and so we talked about ways to, um, to do messaging and and to intervene in those types of things so that they don't continue and become norms and and especially don't become unsafe traditions. Yeah, and some of the like young how young you were when you started doing something becomes a sense of like pride for parents because they're like I raised my kids so right that they are ready to take this job on and they are this young. And we're circling back to what we said about my parents raised me and taught me that I'm faster, stronger, smarter, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a point of pride for farm parents. It is, absolutely. And I'm not saying it shouldn't be um, because because obviously those kids do tend to be in better physical condition and, and a lot of those types of things but we need to keep it safe. And that's the point, you know, yeah, I think there's, I'm sure there's probably something to be said too, about like the cognitive development of being in situations like that. Like you yeah. have to be able to uh, think. So one of the things that you might find interesting is if you go and you go and take a look at those agricultural youth work guidelines, not only did we develop a guideline for operating a tractor, but we developed five developmental ones to go with it. 
So there's the operating attractor guideline, and then there's five child development guidelines that go with it. One of them is cognitive. One of them is physical. One of them is perceptual. One of them is social. And the other one is sociocultural. And the sociocultural and social ones talk about peer pressure and some of those types of things we've just been talking about. So it's there. We, we tried to think through some of these tools that parents might need. And we tried to, especially with the tractor guideline, because that's such a common task on farms. We tried to get the parents to think about the fact that this is just not, is my child old enough to reach the pedals type of an issue? That there's cognitive and perceptual and and other types of things you need to think about in addition to just the physical ones. Yeah, so you guys outlined, I think there's five safety strategies that you have for your center. What are those or, you know, again, like what are those implementable steps that parents or farm owners can take to promote safety for kids? Yeah, so we talked about the fact that over half of the kids that are injured, seriously injured, are not actually working. And a lot of them are actually younger children. Remember, these are children, this is their home as well as the work site. And so if you if you make it a practice not to take those children into the active work site, uh, don't give them rides on machinery. Don't take them into the barn when there's when there's animals present um, that are like during milking time when the parents are distracted, those types of things. So basically just keep those kids off of the tractors and off of the ATVs, off of that equipment, um, keeping young children out of that work site. Those are two of our top ones that could alleviate a lot of injuries to those younger children. When kids get old enough that they actually do start working, make sure that the work they're doing is consistent with their abilities. Use those agricultural youth work guidelines and watch those kids when they're doing that job. If they're really struggling with something, if they really are struggling lifting that bale of hay, if they really don't seem to understand how to behave around that around cattle, then maybe they're not ready to do that job yet. Maybe we need to find them something different to do. But make sure that the jobs that they're doing, the tasks that they're doing are consistent with their abilities and with their ages. Make sure that the environment is as safe as possible. And when we talk about environment, we're talking about not just, you know, the barns and that the floors are relatively even, you know, and that they're not all, the cement's not all busted up and that type of thing. But we're also talking about equipment. You know, make sure your tractors that they're operating have rollover protective structures. Make sure that they don't have that narrow tricycle front end, which tends to make them tippier. You know, make sure that what they are doing in the environment that they're functioning in is very safe and that you're not having them um, do work on a piece of equipment on a slope where they might roll the equipment. So just really think through what that environment is like and what that equipment is like, and then make sure that they understand the job. They've been trained to do it, and no matter how many times they've done it, make sure there's an adult there checking on them that somebody's supervising those youth. I mentioned earlier that Expo is donating some profits from Purple Cow Gift Shop to the Children's Center. Marshall, what do funds like that allow you to do? 
So funds like that allow us to do more of what we call our outreach events. So we, we've we actually created some booklets and they're just coming out, and this is just one example, but we've just created some booklets that have these agricultural youth work guidelines in them, and they're specific to certain categories. So one of our newest ones that we've never had before is one for working with animals. And, and so they really help us with our outreach types of events where we can actually get out into the communities and we can actually work with different organizations and with farmers to help them understand what we have available and how they can work with us to safeguard their children and to safeguard these youth. Because really, we're talking about the future of agriculture here when we're talking about these children and these youth. And it's there's no other asset that any of us have that needs to be safeguarded more closely than they do. Is that that is the truth? I mean, yes, so much. So, what's the one takeaway? If if people had to pick one thing, what is the one thing that you want people to know or to do um, as it relates to child safety on farms? So, I think circling back to that paradox again. Okay. Um, we recognize here at the National Children's Center that there are a lot of benefits to children growing up on farms. We also recognize a lot of risks and a lot of hazards on the farms. And we very much understand that children can reap those benefits as long as somebody is there to address those hazards and to address those risks and to to find that balance for them and to safeguard those children. So our message, I think, that we would have out, our take-home message is, is farms are a great place to grow up. Let's find a way to address the hazards and risks so we can let those kids reap those benefits and grow up to be safe, healthy, happy, and whole adults. And if people want more information about farm safety, um, about the center, where can they go? We have this really great website called CultivateSafety.org, and that website has got over 200 free resources that are available that can be downloaded, printed. Um, some of the things like the Agricultural Youth Work Guidelines, you can actually interact with them. There's interactive formats on them. It's a mobile-friendly website, so you can open it up on any device. And there's just a tremendous amount of information out there. There's also contact information there for us, because we're always happy to help with anything that anybody might might want or might need. Um, so yeah, check out the website and contact us if we can help in any way. Thank you so much, Marsha, for taking the time to chat on the podcast today. Well, thank you again for having me. I very much enjoyed it. Thank you all for joining us this week for The Dairy Show. Remember to like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are streaming it from. And don't forget to tell your friends about The Dairy Show. We would love to have them join us. And last but not least, if you have any speaker suggestions or thoughts about the show, feel free to let us know and contact us. Our email address is wde at wdexpo.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time.